If you will, uh, look in your Bibles to Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're going through the Beatitudes, and we have reached the pinnacle, the last Beatitude. We're going to explain a little bit about this one. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can look into your word and we pray that today you will take us deeper than we've ever been before. And we will understand the cost of discipleship, the cost of following you. And rejoice that we are chosen to do so. We bless you and thank you and honor you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a young man who was going off to college and as is much many in the United States the young men and even young women work the summers before so they can go to the university in the fall and the spring and this young man got a job working in a lumber camp maybe in Washington State or somewhere like that not sure where it was. But his, he was a young man, probably 18, maybe 19 at the most. And his parents said, now son, we want you to be careful. Because this, these are rugged men. And you could really be persecuted for your Christianity. They're rough men. So we want to pray for you and encourage you to stand strong. So they prayed for him and off he went to the summer to work in that lumber camp. But when he got back home, his parents questioned him and said, how did it go? He said, well, it went great. It went great. They said, did, they, did you have any problems with your being there, being a Christian? And he said, no. They didn't give me a, a bit of problem. In fact, they never found out I was a Christian. So are the lives of many today. They don't even know that we are Christians. After laying the foundation of the Christian life and walk through the Beatitudes, our Lord anticipated the next step. And let me show you that in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 10. Listen to what he says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And what did Jesus say? He said, escape it, leave it. He said, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in, is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Why, James said some of the similar things in this first chapter. He said, when you fall into various trials... Rejoice. Give thanks. 
Our Lord, in the course of the Beatitudes, pronounced the blessing of God on the humble, the repentant, the submissive, those with a passion for holiness, the compassionate, the righteous, and those who have peace and who keep peace. However, he reserved a double blessing for those who are persecuted. A double blessing to those who are persecuted. Now, listen to me carefully. Who is the persecuted? Those who are willing to take a stand for Jesus Christ in the face of opposition and persecution. Listen to that again. Those who are willing to take a stand for Jesus Christ in the face of opposition and persecution. Friday night, Sandra and I and Pam watched the secret church. They had the secret church that came from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And David Platt talked about the various religions. And the emphasis on prayer was India. This massive country that 2.2% of the population are Christians of almost a billion people. Can you imagine that? 2.2%. And in some places, the persecution is, is unbelievable. And they had testimonies of these people. Of course, they, they, they disguised them, that you couldn't see who they are, but they gave their testimony how they came to know Jesus Christ, and the testimonies were awesome. And the young man that was introducing this, after he got through, he said, we're going to pray for the church in India. And he said, as we went over there and we took these interviews of one person after another, when we asked them, what could we pray for you? What can we pray for you? Not one of them said, pray that the persecution will stop. Not one of them. They said, pray that we'll be strong. Pray that we'll have wisdom. Pray that we'll be bold. Pray that those around us will hear the gospel. We can share the gospel. And they said at this time that we were watching this uh, over there in India, that the church was mobilized and people were going out sharing Christ. Such a contrast from the comfortable Christianity that we enjoy. How many of you have seen the movie God's Not Dead 2? Well, more than I thought. Good, good. Now you need to see it. I know, I mean, I checked on, uh, online and I found that it's still at Cinemax, which is unusual. Usually it's at Cinepolis and runs a little longer, but it seems like Cinemax is running it longer. You need to see it. It, it is about persecution. It's about taking a stand for Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what, Jesus is all in it. I mean, he's all in it, all over it. I mean, everything. I mean, it will encourage you. It will challenge you. It will inspire you. It will inform you. I encourage you to go see it. This movie really shows persecution for righteousness' sake. Now, 
Jesus knew that there was going to be persecution. He knew that his followers were going to be persecuted. And it is traditional that the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples, you know that Judas flunked the course and uh, he ended his life. But then they, they got another apostle and then Paul said that he was apostle born late. He was another apostle. Of these apostles, we know that all of them, with the exception of John, were martyred for their faith. Some were cut in two. Some were torn apart by horses. Some were crucified. It is said that Peter was crucified upside down. Some lost their lives with their heads cut off. Paul, we believe, that, took, took, that was the route that was taken for him. Now, as Jesus was preparing his disciples for this persecution, he began to show them, and it's recorded in John the 15th chapter. If you have your Bibles, still have your Bibles, move with me to John 15. John 15. Now John 15 is divided into three parts. First of all, Jesus talks about our relationship with Him. He is the vine, we are the branches. Where do we get life? We get life in Jesus Christ. Where do we get our strength? We get strength in Jesus, Jesus Christ. Uh, the verses that are key here, look with me to verses 7. Begin with verse 7. If you abide in me, if you live in me, if you stay in me, and my words abide in you, stay in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. If you abide in Christ, you have that life in Christ, and you're able to produce that fruit that He so abundantly gives. Our relationship with Jesus is to be an abiding relationship. And then the second part is our relationship uh, with fellow followers of Christ. And that's pointed out in verse 12. Look at this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I, I want you to picture this for just a moment. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to these, these twelve. And he says, listen, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. You see, he was pointing out, I'm the example of how to love. And you're to love one another like that. And so he points out our relationship with him, our relationship with fellow believers. But then, the third part of this is our relationship with the world. Our relationship with the world. The follower of Christ are to love the world by a follower of Christ is unnatural. If you love the world system, it's either one of two things. 
you're either not a follower of Christ or you have so backslid that you have embraced the world system. World standards, world system, and Christ standards and Christ system do not coexist. And here are the reasons why. And he points them out in this chapter. First of all, your standard of conduct is not of this world system. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19 as we read. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, we're all born in the world, into the world. We're all born sinners. We're, all, we're, we're just all flowing the same way. But then Christ reaches out and He seeks us and when we receive the gift of eternal life and born again, and we are new creations, He pulls us out of this world, makes us a new creation, and yet we still have to live in the world. But we don't have to be of the world. We don't have to be of the world. He convicted you by His Holy Spirit. The Bible says, no one searches for God. He sought you. Listen, the world does not understand a child of God. They are kind and giving. They are humble and loving and forgiving and unselfish. This is not the world's standards of dog eat dog. Get all you can get. When you leave the world system and accept the standard of the Word of God, you are saying, I have found something in Christ far superior to anything that I have ever experienced. Superior to anything the world has to offer. I've told this story before, but it's so clear. There was a man that worked with the Billy Graham team. His name was George Beverly Shea. Some know that name. Others of you that are younger don't even know that name. Look it up. Okay. You got Google? Do it. All right. Somebody asked what happened. Well, what did you do before Google? Well, you looked it up. You went to the library, you know. You know, the end. Okay. All right. George Beverly Shea. George Beverly Shea had this beautiful baritone voice. And he was offered a lucrative contract with an opera company. And he could sing with opera company. Well, the story goes that his mother found this poem. And she placed it on the piano where George Beverly sat many hours to play the piano. And he wrote a tune to it. And God got a hold of George Beverly Shea. And when he went before the committee that was to offer him this lucrative contract of being an opera singer, he sang this, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. 
And that's all I know of it, okay? I can't remember the rest. But I'd rather have Jesus than all of these things. When you leave the world system and accept the standard of the Word of God, you're saying, I found something in Christ superior to anything the world offers. And then there's a second reason Jesus gave that we will be persecuted. Look in verse 20. He says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. The hatred for Jesus is as strong today as it was 2,000 years ago. The raft is upon those who identify themselves with Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you, you know, you know why this word is true? Why would anybody want to leave a life that they're not persecuted and follow a Savior that they know Probably, in many cases, in many places in this world, they, were, they are probably going to die for their faith in Christ. Why would anybody do that? Because the Word is true. Because Jesus Christ is real. And they find Jesus and they follow Jesus no matter what it costs. Until the world is finally judged by the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world will hate Him and everyone who identifies with Him. Why, there are those today, and some, some of them, uh, we were told that, that, like one young lady who accepted Christ, she's of a Muslim family, and she cannot, if she says anything about Christ around her family, her throat be cut. She's trying to live out her life in Christ, not all verbally, but through a standard that they don't understand. The third reason for the world's hatred is in the last part of verse 21. It says, because they do not know him who sent me. The world hates God and they hate Jesus Christ because they do not know Him. They are blinded. They are ignorant of who God truly is. They do not know Him. And the final reason is in verse 22. This is the root of the whole matter. Look at verse 22. And if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin but now they have no excuse for their sin. The light of God came into the world. And when light shines upon darkness, and men love darkness, they are uncomfortable, they seek to cover up their sin, and they hate the light. They hate the light. And if Jesus said, we're to be light of the world, did he not? Did he not? Did he not say for our light to shine, not to put it under a bushel, but let the light shine? And when the light shines in darkness, men who are sinful 
hate the light. Before the coming of Jesus Christ in the world, men had never seen holiness and righteousness demonstrated. Evil exists and persists today. Let me ask you a question. Are you or have you ever been persecuted for righteousness? Persecuted for righteousness sake. Taken a stand that has cost you. Maybe cost you a job. A person was telling me the other day that his father was a manager of a company. And this company was doing business with someone and this company said, we will, we will sign the contract. And the person he was talking to, he said, but give me 10% 10, 10 of that right here in my pocket. And this man said, no, I will not. I will not do that. And it cost him his job. It cost him his job. I mean, he could have been wealthy upon wealthy, but he lost this contract. And the company that had hired him said, we don't want you. Now listen. If you want to escape persecution, it's very simple. Accept the world's standards, the world's ethics, and you'll not suffer one bit. If you want to escape persecution, accept the world's religion. Live like there is no God. Deny that Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life. I, I'm so, I've, been so, I've been accused on a few occasions. Uh, people said, you know, your Christians are narrow-minded. <laughs> My response is, I said, you can be narrow-minded when you're right. <laughs> you can escape the world's persecution if you do not take a stand... Or Jesus Christ. If you do not let anyone know that you're a Christian, in the office, go right along with them. Lie, steal, tell the dirty jokes, lust after the woman in the tight short dress, or have an affair with her. Go out drinking and nightclubbing with the boys and use God's name in vain. They will never know. You can escape persecution. It's not hard, but remember... Remember this. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the Holy Angel. Listen to me very carefully. And may I make myself very clear here. If you're obnoxious and pushy and overbearing in your Christian expression, you're not being persecuted for righteousness' sake. You're being persecuted for being pushy. And if I use a word, stupid, in my case, it's ungodly behavior. The truth shared in this beatitude was obviously captured in the heart of Simon Peter when he wrote this in his first letter. Listen, it's on the book, it should be on the screen up here. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Keep in heaven, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to reveal in the last times. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When they gathered up Christians to put them into the Colosseum to be attacked by lions and by wild animals, sometimes they would even tie them up to a stake and they would burn them. You know what they did? They sang. They sang to the Lord. They were being offered up as sacrifices to Christ. They didn't scream and holler. Probably the pain was so unbearable. But they praised God as they were dying for the sake of Christ. For Peter promised that at the coming of Christ they shall be found unto, unto praise and honor and glory. Blessed are you when men shall persecute you. Joseph found this to be true in the hand of his brothers. Daniel found this to be true in the lion's den. Jeremiah found it to be true in a slimy dungeon. God calls us to separation to himself, but in separating us to himself, he separates us from the world. Double blessed are those who show the fruit of righteousness. The great pastor of the great church there in South Korea, Paul Young Cho, tells this story. He said, when the communists took over part of Korea, some of the missionaries that were there working stayed. They didn't flee. They didn't leave. And said the communist army came into this small village where they were serving the Lord and they captured them and they dug a hole in the center of the town to make an example of this missionary couple there was mother and father and three children and the communist said recant Reject Jesus Christ and we'll let you go. Well, the children were frantic. The children were scared and they were crying. And the father looked at his children and looked at his wife and he looked up at them and he was about to say, I reject Christ. And that dear, sweet mother grabbed those children. And she looked at them and she said, Be quiet. We're about to have dinner with Jesus. And they buried him alive there in the middle of that village.
Paul Young Cho said, that story is true. Because I have members in my church that were there that day. Saw the bravery and the death of these missionaries and later accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You see, my friends, the gospel is good news. It's good news. Why is the gospel good news? The gospel centers around Jesus Christ. The good news that God the Son took on full humanity and became one of us while remaining fully God. It is good news that in Jesus, the kingly rule of God has physically broken into the human history. It is good news that Jesus lived a life of perfect, sinless obedience. The life we have not yet lived. And then died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to bear the wrath we deserve for our rebellion against God, both in this life and in death. You see, Jesus traded places with us. He served as our substitute. And listen to this, my friends. God seeks the guilty. God seeks the guilty. Well, the Bible says that no man searches for God, but He searches for us. There was three people in discussion about God. And as the discussion went on, one said this. He said, now let, let, me, let me get this right. Let's say there is a king on top of a mountain. And you want to get to this king. And you have a certain way you want to go, and you have a certain way you want to go. No way is wrong, but you can get to the king. And you eventually get to the king. But he said, listen, I have a king. And that king came to me. That king sought me. That king found me. And that king is Jesus Christ. Has he sought you? Has He come to you? Has He knocked on your heart's door? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone answers, I will come in and I will dine with Him. Has He knocked on your heart's door, your spiritually heart's door, and you have opened that door to Him? If you haven't, you can. But if you have, let me ask you another question. Are you willing to be persecuted for righteousness sake? Are you willing to be persecuted for righteousness sake? I have told this story a few times, but it goes back again and again as we were witnessing in front of these rock concerts. And by the way, one of the rock concerts had Prince and Vanity Fair in it. You know who Prince is, don't you? But anyway, I told the guy, I said, bring some lumber. 
we're going to make a cross. I want everybody coming into the concert to walk under the cross. So he brought, uh, he brought about a 10-foot piece of wood this high, and we had another one, and we nailed the cross right there, and I had my friend Tim Irvin stand right there with that cross. I said, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to go in front of the cross. They're going to have to see the cross. But I want to tell you what, that night was one of the darkest nights that we have ever, I've ever experienced in my life. These people were coming and they were cursing Christ. They said some of the most awful things to us that you could even imagine. Because we were, we were standing there, we were out there handing out tracts. Just handing out tracts. Some of them would take the track and look at it and throw it right in your face. That's not all. Tim Irvin did some substituting at the high school. And a kid came up to him in the high school and said, you, you were one of those guys out there witnessing in front of that concert, weren't you? He said, yeah. He said, I want to tell you something. If you're out there again, we're going to kill you and Lynn Sasser. <laughs> Tim said, I just said, well, praise God. Praise God. He didn't have anything to say about that. When you stand for righteousness' sake, you will be persecuted. There's an old hymn that we sing sometimes. It goes, stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Will you stand up for Jesus? Would you all stand right now as we have a time of invitation and God is speaking to you this morning, we invite you to come forward. Confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Rededicate your life. If you're interested in church membership, come and let us know about that. This is a time of commitment time to step forth, a time to confess Jesus. If you will confess me before my Heavenly Father, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Heavenly Father. Be not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Step out and do what God calls you to do.